read that before? Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. He's the master planner. See, your purpose, friend, fits into God's grander purpose, his grander scheme. Notice the next verse. Everything. That's a very big word. Everything. Absolutely everything got started where? In him. And finds its purpose in him. So it all starts with God. And friends, you were made by God and you were made for God. And until you understand that, life will not make sense. And you'll be tempted to pursue all sorts of mirages, thinking this is the right way to go. God says, uh-uh, you want another way to go? You ask me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. See, God created you, and this is what the world forgets. And sometimes, if we're really honest, you and I forget this. God made you to last forever. Oh, that's a very big word. One day, your heart will stop, as will mine. But that is not going to be the end of you. Because you were made in God's image and you were made to last forever. You need to lay that plank down in your mind. You need to lay it down as a firm foundation. Because otherwise, you'll be tempted to live for only the here and now. And that is a big mistake. Here on earth, you're going to get at most maybe 100 years. It's getting longer, but... It's going to be about 100 years if you do well. And that is not very long, could I suggest you, compared to trillions of years. It's an infinitesimal speck. So the question we're going to ask this morning is, what on earth am I supposed to do with these few years I get in this planet? In preparation for the trillions of years I'm going to spend in eternity. How should I live now, if anybody ever asks you what's the meaning of life, let me just give it to you, and I want you to think about this, and it may help you if you write this down. Life is preparation for eternity. You may want to write that down, because the depth of the power of that will dawn on you. Life here is preparation for eternity. And the Bible says that God has predetermined five purposes for your life. Not seven, not 24, not one, five. The first one is God planned me, he wanted me, he created me for his pleasure. It's a pleasure. Isn't that a great blessing? Everything in the universe was created for God's enjoyment and God's pleasure. Here it is. You, God, created everything. And it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. That is a biblical basis for the proposition or the statement that I've given you. Everything includes you. You were created for God's glory. The Lord takes pleasure in his people. Now, how many of you are parents? Can I see hands? Parents? Yeah. Now, how many of you enjoy watching your kids? Well, most of the time, right? <laughs> Sometimes not so much. And I think that's the same with God. Most of the time, God takes pleasure in watching you. Now, Kimberly and I, 
at last count, I've got five grandchildren. <laughs> and you know what? They don't have to do anything to give us pleasure. They just be them. They sit there. They drink their bottle. Their legs are going and their arms are going, but they give us pleasure just looking at them. They don't have to do anything. Our hearts are full watching our grandchildren. And we just enjoy them. They don't give us anything in terms of stuff. It's just being them. It gives us pleasure to watch our grandchildren. Now, some of you in this room today have never understood this. You think, mistakenly, that God only smiles on you when you're doing something spiritual. When you're praying. When you're at church with God's family. Or when you're reading the Bible. You don't realize that God looks at you and loves you just because he made you. You are his pleasure. His pleasure. Long before he laid down the earth's foundation, God had us in mind, and he settled on us as the focus of his love. The focus, the thing that you dwell on. You see, you were created to be loved by God. And the Bible says clearly there that you were created as an object of God's love. The very reason your heart is beating today is because God made you to love you. Some people love him back and some people haven't quite gotten there yet. Now let me be really clear about this. God was not lonely. God didn't need us. But he wanted to have us and bestow his love upon his children. Now, when you grasp this profound truth and let it sink into your soul, you'll never again have a problem with insecurity. You'll never have a problem with inferiority or low self-esteem because God loves you as you are. He made you and he smiles and it gives him pleasure. That is something that needs to come in to our hearts. Unlike animals, we were made distinctly in the image of God. And this gives us a capacity to know and love God back. Now one day, Jesus is walking down the street, and a guy walks up to him. And he says, hey, what was the number one, the most important command in the Bible? And Jesus says, well, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and all of your strength. This is the first and the greatest. Now, when Jesus says that, I need to pay attention with fresh attention. When God says the most important thing in your life right there is to know him and to love him. To know him and to love him. God says, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. See the relationship? I don't want your offerings. I do want you to know me. Can you sense the passion there? The personal passion? Circle two words in those verses. Know and love. 
not perfunctory, but love. Like, I, I'm busting. Remember when you had your first girlfriend, that sense of passion and love, not compulsion. Oh, I better go see my girlfriend. That's the right thing to do. <laughs> That's not what he's talking about. That's completely the opposite. So the first purpose of your life, the most important thing you can know in life is to know that God created you to be loved by him. The most important thing you can do in life is to know and love him back. What does that mean? Specifically, it means kind of like we talk to ourselves and we say this, God, if I don't get anything else done today on my busy schedule, I want to know you a little bit more and I want to get to love you a bit more. Now, if at the end of the day, you have done those two things, got to know a little bit more and love him a bit more, it doesn't matter what else went to hell in a handbasket. No matter what else was dramatic in your life that day. If you know God a little bit more and you love him a little bit more, that day was a success. On the other hand, it doesn't matter how many deals you close, how many contracts you write up. It doesn't matter how many things you check off your to-do list. Because you will have wasted that day if you did all the other second-class things. Why? Because God did not put you on earth just to mark off things off your to-do list. To get up in the morning, to go to work, to come home, to watch TV, to go to bed, to party on the weekend. God made you for far more than that. He created you, first and foremost, to know him and to love him and to get ready for spending eternity with him. That's what it's all about. So the first purpose of your life is to know and love God. And the tragedy is most people go through their entire lives missing the primary, numero uno, purpose of life. And they get all things, they, they know all sorts of other stuff in life. They know the latest stock quotes, all the sports scores, or who won what in the tennis. But they don't know God. The Bible says some people have missed the most important thing in life. I'm going to say, oh, I better pay attention to this. This is the most important thing. I do not want to miss it. What is it? They don't know God. There it is right there. That is the most important thing. You may think, well, yeah, God exists. Big whoopee doodle. But do you know him? And do you love him? Do you know him personally? Do you have a friendship with God? Because that's what God wants. You were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will not make sense. And you'll pursue all sorts of other things which will end up doing a U-turn and coming back this way anyway. Because you realize there's other things leave a big empty hole in your heart. Here's the second purpose of your life. The Bible says that God has formed you and me for his family. His family. He's formed you for his family. He didn't want just angels and animals and plants as much as a love. 
beautiful plants in my garden and all the animals. He wanted a family. God wanted a family. A family that's going to last forever in eternity. The Bible says this, God's unchanging plan. Notice it's never changed. Why? Because God never has to adjust his plans because his ones work out perfectly. All things work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purposes. By God's unchanging plan has always been to, to what? To what? To adopt us into his own family. Kimberly and I what know what adoption means. We have a daughter who's adopted two children. They are part of our family. They are there. They are gone. They're sold to us. They're in our family. Just like blood family. His plan has always been to adopt you into his family. That's amazing. But how? By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. I love this next part. This gave him, what does it say? Great pleasure. Some of you have forgotten. That gives God enormous pleasure. His heart is glad. See, your spiritual family, God's family, is going to outlast even your own physical family. Physical families do not last. I'll tell you why. They grow up. They move away. They die. There's divorce. And then there's death. But the spiritual family of God lasts for eternity. When you were born physically, you automatically became part of the human race. You didn't have a choice in that. That's pop. Here you were. But becoming part of God's family is, my friend, a choice. You have to choose to become part of that. God ain't going to kidnap you. <laughs> You've got to want to be adopted. First Peter, God has given us the privilege. It's a privilege. Oh, what a privilege that is of being born again so that now we are members of God's own family. What does born again mean? It means I make the choice to say, I don't want to be just part of the human family. I want to be part of God's eternal family. That's what it means. And I'm going to follow him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to get to know him. I'm going to follow his ways. It means that I get a fresh start. All the things I've done that I regretted, that I'm ashamed of, I wish never happened. God can say to me, you're forgiven. And I get a new life and I get a fresh start. So what is God's family? Here it is. Here's the verse. It says, that family, God's family, is the church of the living God, the support and the foundation of the truth. Interesting. That's very important. The church is God's family. It's not about rules, not about regulations, not about rituals or religion. It's about relationships. That's what it's about. So when those tough times come, and boy, they come. They come in life with amazing regularity. The family of God, along with God's truth, is your support. Now, why is this important? Loving your spiritual family, because when you get to heaven... Among other things, you are going to love God and you're going to love other people. That's called worship. And loving the other people will be fellowship. And what does God want you to do whilst you're here on earth? The same thing as what you're going to do in heaven. So you know what to do. Are you loving your spiritual family? Some of you may even say, well, I don't even have one. Well, okay, that's okay. 
There are many good churches, but we would invite you, if you haven't got one yet, to come and be part of New Hope. So the second purpose of your life is to learn to love others. The first purpose of your life is to learn to love God. Second purpose, learn to love others. Because God wants you to be like He is. He loves you and He loves others. That's why you need a church home. It's a laboratory for learning how to love God's family. The Bible encourages here in Hebrews 10, actually the actual chapter I'm in this week myself as I'm studying. It says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. So let's review two things. Number one, you are planned for God's pleasure. So the first purpose of your life is to get to know and to love God. The second, God formed you for his family. And he had you in mind before the world was even created. And he wants you to start to learn to love other people. Love God, love other people. Third, God created you to become like Christ. The bottom line is this, is God says to you and to me, God wants us to grow spiritually. Now, most of the time, if you're healthy, you grow physically, that's automatic. My wife was a Plunkett nurse for many years, and she has a chart that shows by this age and stage, this is where you should be, and there's a curve that she grades them on. There's a problem or there's not a problem. And God says, for you guys, part of my family, I want you to grow spiritually. How? How does that look? How do I even know I'm getting there? Well, he wants us to be like a son. Jesus Christ is the model that every Christian follows to be like Jesus Christ. His son is the model of maturity. The Bible says here, from the very beginning, God decided, he decided, God decided that those who should come to him, in other words, those who choose to be part of his family, and all along he knew who, would, who should become like his son. So his family, like the father, as is the son. Huh? You see where he's going with that? He wants us to become more like his son. Now situations are going to come into your life. Some of them you've got right now in your lives. And these situations and these tests are going to make you either bitter and then you're going to get discouraged and depressed and disillusioned or you're going to become better. Jesus never became disillusioned or depressed. And we need to model the way he handled the troubles that came into his life. You can be bitter or you can be better. It's your choice how you choose to respond to that situation. And the problem you're going through, I want to suggest this to you, is has a purpose. And the problem is never greater than God's purpose. The purpose is to help you grow spiritually. But there's a choice. You have a place in this, how you react to the challenges in your life. And the model of maturity is Jesus. Philippians says in your lives you must think and you must act. That's behavior like Jesus Christ. That's how we are to grow. So the question then becomes, what was Jesus like? If we were to look at his character, what would be some of the attributes of his character? And of course, Galatians 5.22 addresses that. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and... What's the last one? Pardon? Self-control. Ooh, ooh. More self-control this week. 
Lord, help me with that one, right? <laughs> These are the qualities that God wants to build in your life. If somebody's got lots of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, what else are you going to teach them? Have a think about that. We're growing character. God wants to produce those qualities in our lives. But I've noticed if I, if I'm a, if I need to grow in patience, I get put in some very titchy situations, some prickly situations, that naturally I could become impatient. Have you ever noticed that? Interesting. That's how we grow. So how does he make you like Jesus? By often putting in the exact opposite situation. So we have chance to grow. Friends, becoming like Jesus Christ is a lifelong process. The Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord works within us as we become more and more like Him. So God uses troubles and trials, problems and pressures, and other people in our lives, yeah, to make us mature. So the third purpose of my life is to grow up spiritually. That'll never change. Never change. You can bank on it. He wants you to grow up to become like Christ. He wants you to develop some spiritual backbone and some spiritual strength. Not the latest crisis that comes in knocks you off your perch. Do you know why that is so needed today? Spiritual backbone and spiritual depth. Because our culture is committed to shallow living. We're a nation of spiritual babies. Now, what do I mean by that? Think of what a baby is and think about what they do. It's all about what's best for me when I want it. These babies are innately self-centered and they will let you know if they are not happy. Wow, 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 I need something to eat. Wow, 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 I need my rear end changing. Wow, 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 whatever it is. And they complain a lot. They're self-absorbed. They certainly don't know how to wait. I've got to have it now. I know a lot of young couples and even some older couples in the culture that I know who have to have it now and can't wait. Ain't got the money, but I'll just buy it on 60 months free interest. That's rubbish. There's no such thing as free interest. You're paying for that. They just wrapped it up as a finance deal. I've got to have it now. They're unable to delay gratification. If I don't feel good now, there's something wrong. Yeah, perhaps God's wanting to make you be a bit more patient about these things. Babies are totally focused on their feelings. Feelings, totally absorbed with the here and now. They have no concept of the long-term thinking. And that's the way many folks are. I've got to do what's best for me. I've got to do with what I feel, which, by the way, changes with regularity. Acting as if all that matters is the here and now, not in the light of eternity. They're manipulated. Babies are manipulated by their moods. That's a dangerous place. That's absolutely different to the Galatians 5.22. The Bible says some people are such shallow soil of character that when their emotions wear off and difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. Whoa! Scripture has a great way of getting straight to it. Listen to that again. Some people have such a shallow soil of character that when their emotions wear off, in other words, I'm having a great time. Anybody can persevere when they're having a great time. What about when you're having a terrible time of it? When the emotions wear off and difficulty arrives, anybody ever been there before? 
when this is not so much fun. Actually, somebody said to me that I, I am a. I said to him, "Why are you a Christian?" This particular person, and they said, "Well, because it works for me." I said, "Man, you must be different to me, because Christianity does not work for me. Christianity is hard. It's inconvenient. It's expensive. <laughs> this is not a, a beer and skittles. If you're looking for that, you're looking at the wrong place." Jesus said his, his face like a flint to pursue the purposes God gave him. That was hard. But God's spirit gave him the strength and the desire to fill the Lord's purposes. So what we need is spiritual depth. We need to grow up. So first, God planned you and I for his pleasure. And so the first purpose of your life is to get to know and love God. Second, God formed you and I for his family. So the second purpose of your life is to get in this family and start to learn to love other people. Because it's so easy these days. My, even my sons are saying, Dad, why is the world so individualistic these days? People live over there and over there and over there, and there's not a lot of connection. Third purpose, God created you to become like Christ, so he wants you to grow spiritually, to become like Jesus, not anybody else, but not just physically. There's a fourth purpose. God shaped me in such a way, before I was even born, to serve him. To serve him. That'll never change. Never, ever, 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 ever change. Not now, and not in eternity. The Bible says this. You eat this. Psalm 139. You, this is God, you shape me first inside and then out. And you form me in my mother's womb. The truth is this, that you are unique. You are one of nearly 7 billion people. And God wants you to be you, and he made you unique. Now, to help you remember how God shapes you and gave you a un- made you unique from everybody else, we use a little acrostic here at New Hope. And it helps to remember that God made you, S-H-A-P-E, he gave you certain spiritual gifts. He gave you a particular heart. What motivates you will leave your husband completely cold on some things. Oh, don't worry. Kim and me too. What she gets excited, I go, why is she excited about that? doesn't touch my heart. touches her heart. And sometimes what touches my heart doesn't touch her heart. We're all different. Spiritual gifts he gave you differently. Heart, abilities. What he gave me is very different to Kimberly. And same for you. You're unique in your abilities. Personality. That's another unique thing. What he gave you. Daniel. Not so the same with this man, right? Different personalities. So, spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, and lastly, this is an E, experiences, S-H-A-P-E, experiences. God has taken me through some very painful experiences. Very painful. There's not much in our family. Kimberly and I were just saying that the other day. There's not much in our family that we haven't been through. What do you want to name? Divo- oh, probably murder is about the only thing we haven't been through. <laughs> so, divorce and I mean I won't go through the whole lot but alcoholism and drug addiction you name it so painful experiences that's that E then we've got educational experiences we've got vocational experiences and those things make us when you tie the whole thing up they shape you uniquely so those are the five things that he shapes you with now the Bible says this God made us what we are I am what I am. In other words, he shaped us. And in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ, when we get our meaning, God made us. Here it is. 
to do good works which he planned in advance for us to live our lives doing. So God has a plan for you to use your gifts, your shape, spiritual gifts, heart, ability, personality, experiences, to do good works with those. For us to live our lives doing. Now circle there, please, the word good works. Some people have gone so far on the grace side, they've forgotten what the stepbrother of Jesus said, faith without works is dead. Now we're not saved by works. All of you who come to this church know that's not what the scriptures say. But salvation by grace is the root and good works are the fruit. There's got to be both. See, before you were even born, that verse right there says this. God decided in advance, before you stepped foot on terra firma, what contribution he wanted you to make with your life. it's a good thing to take a look at that and say God part of the reason I'm here you've got something for me to do some good works for me to work in show me what they are that I can fulfill those for you he wants you to make a contribution with your life he wants you to serve him on this planet God did not put you here friend to to consume resources to take up space and die He put you here to serve him and make a contribution. Another name for good works is ministry. Any time that you use the talents and gifts and abilities and personality and experiences to help another person, you are ministering to them. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice here in 1 Peter 4, God has given each of you some special ability. So please, please, don't ever say, I haven't got anything. Because you'll be then contradicting the scriptures. And the scriptures clearly say God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to make a ton of money. Yeah? This week it was with two different people. Both had companies of about a thousand people. This one was using them for that exact reason, to make a ton of money. This one here was using them, the thousand people and the corporation he had to make a massive difference for the kingdom of God. The one that says, be sure to use them to make a ton of money, that's the RSV, uh, the RSP version, the reviled substandard perversion of the Bible. The correct translation of that verse is this, God has given each of you some special abilities, be sure to use them to do what? What does it say? To help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Friend, God has given you some abilities. He's given you some influence. He's given you opportunities. How are you using those to bless others? That's a really good challenge. You know those talents that you got? What I'm trying to say to you, is that not just for your benefit? Some of you are really good at real estate deals. That's not just for you. How is the kingdom of God benefiting? How are people coming to know Christ because of that? Maybe it's a different area. Maybe it's administrative. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's music. There are so many different abilities. Maybe it's interior design. There's, there's not a single thing because he says he's given each of his special abilities. Be sure to use them. 
That's a really good challenge. What talents has he given you? And you. And you. Be sure to use them for his kingdom, is what he's saying. The benefits. Here's the fourth purpose of your life. To serve God by serving others. Now on earth, I want to say something that may shock some of you. Or let me say, clarify. I like that. Clarify. You cannot serve God directly. You serve him on earth by serving other people. So anytime somebody, you help somebody else, God says actually, what you did for them, it was as if you did it for me. Matthew, if you want to go look at that story, this afternoon, which is super convicting, Matthew 25, you'll find about verse 40. And I remember it says there, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it for me. This week I arrived at the place and sitting on the curb were two guys with big bags. One was like this, with his eyes closed. And I was there with some friends, and um, these two, that guy there had just got out of jail that morning. And this guy here, well, we didn't know what he was thinking, so we got him inside. What's going on? We gave him some food, first of all, which they ate. And we got them to go take a shower. And then we got them to do some laundry. Long story short, both of these were brothers. This, uh, and they just had their other brother shot. Shot, dead, gone, gone burger. The, the family's a mess, but these two friends of mine spent the whole day with him, getting him into a program. And you know what happened at the end of the day, by the way? We dropped him off the program at 9.30 that night. On Tuesday, the mother, who's also a real mess, life is messy. Anybody else find that? They're really messy. We got him in there. Tuesday night, the mother calls back. He's back. She's got a little one-bedroom apartment. She can't do anything. These are now 25 and 30 years old. But they were doing something. They took their time. They helped them out. Don't give people money. They, they're smart enough not to give them money. You need to actually get them help if they want to get help. One brother, he ended up just saying, I don't want to go to the program, I just want to be dropped back off on the street. You cannot help people who do not want to help themselves. I know what, and it took me straight back to when I had my brother, 14 years as a heroin addict. Some of you know what it's like, some of you know alcoholics. My dad was an alcoholic as well. It's very difficult, but you still got to help them. Do the best you can, and that's, yeah, just something to just share you. As much as you do it for the least of your brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Number five, and finally, God made you and I for a mission. A mission. John 17. Yeah, you know what? Tomorrow you're going to go, you've got a mission in the marketplace. Yep, where you are, in your factory. Maybe it's at school. You are made for a mission. John 17, 18, Jesus said, in the same way that the Father, this is important, gave me a mission, did he fulfill it? Absolutely. I, Jesus speaking, give you a mission in the world. You are called to a mission. You are a missionary. Where you are at work, where you are, Denver, at work, you are light and salt as an ambassador of Christ representing it, the water care, wherever you are, at the supermarket, in your shop, at university, at school, you are a mission. I give you, friends, my family, a mission in the world. Acts 20 verse 24. Paul says... 
This, this is really important that gets some real good focus. Paul was super clear. He says, I consider that my life will be wasted. Unless, okay, what's the alternative? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Unless I complete my mission. What's my mission? My mission and finish the assignment that the Lord Jesus has given to me. What was his assignment? To tell everybody the good news of Jesus Christ and God's grace. Here's the deal. This is how it works. Somebody passed it on to you. Somebody. I don't know who that was, but somebody did to you. Who are you passing it on to? It's like when you're running that relay, you don't, you know, you, you, you're going to pass it on. So it goes on. And that's what God's asked us to do. Somebody passed it on. Who are you passing it on to? This is the whole idea and the whole purpose of evangelism. We have that sitting right there. Evangelism. That's one of the purposes. It'll never change. And by the way, this is the only one you can't do in heaven. You can't save people in heaven. It's all over. Game, set, and match. Sorry, it's over. Finished. Evangelism, what is that? It's simply sharing the good news. The things that you have learned from me, now I want you to pass on to other reliable people so that they can pass it on to even more people. That is the will of God. Pretty blunt question, but I think it's responsible stewardship. Have you told anybody about the good news of Jesus Christ? About what Christ can do? That's part of your mission. And my, it'll never change whilst you're on terra firma. Somebody passed it on to you, so it's now your responsibility to share moving forward. 2 Corinthians 5.18 Through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. Remember, it's only through Christ. It's the only name by which anybody can be saved. Not Allah, not Buddha, Nobody. Through Christ. Through Christ, God made peace between us and himself. And he gave us the work. And it is work of telling everybody about the peace we can have with him. So, we have been sent to speak for Christ. Now, one of the things which a skill which is really useful to have, and that's why I'm going to take some weeks to do this small group called Tactics, how to have an accurately informed mind, an artful method, and a congenial character when you share. We're going to be looking at how you actually share by asking questions. See, when you ask a question, you're not putting any truth claims on the table. But we're going to learn that skill pretty much like a driving class. So when you go to there, my hope for you is you'll be licensed to ask really good questions. And you can't get shot at when you're asking questions. It's a very artful method. Paul was very good at that. When he was at Mars Hill, which Kimberly and I have been there with Mother Buckley and some others, he was able to have discussions without creating an uproar. So if you want to learn how to pass on the good news without anybody getting mad, you should take some steps on that. But it's your choice. It's on. You can never say the option wasn't there. So that's your mission. So we've been sent to speak for Christ. Lastly, look at this verse as we wrap this up in Proverbs 
God's people are like trees that bear life-giving fruit. I love that, life-giving fruit. They show their wisdom. Who? Who shows their people? God's uh, wisdom. God's people show their wisdom by saving souls. Mind on eternity as well. There's got to be some action here and now. He who wins souls is wise, the Bible says. In other words, how do you walk in wisdom in God? By bringing other people to Jesus. That's the fruit of Christianity. Other Christians. Let's pray.